Okay, we're going to be in the Psalms. Psalms 37. And we're going to start in verse 10. And just see how far we get. This 37th Psalm is the favorite Psalm of many, many Christians. You don't hear that a lot, hear much about it. But, uh, but it's been written and I've read some things and seen where many people love this 37th Psalm. As we see ourselves as God's flock. God's flock of sheep. And in this world, the wolves are all around And David, by his experience and by the Holy Spirit speaking through David, he's talking about an an experience that he once had. David kind of looked upon the enemy. He kind of looked upon the the lost people, the unrighteous, the, the wicked, as the Psalms and the Proverbs say. To be the wicked, that just simply means to be the unjustified, the one that hasn't trusted in Christ. And he, he looked upon the people in the world and he saw them seeming to prosper and, and things just seemed to be going well. They were getting away with things that they were doing, it seems. And it just really got under David's skin and he started getting consumed with it. And he's telling us, this isn't a road you want to go down, children of God. You don't want to be consumed in the thought of what all the people in the world have that do not know God, that reject Him, that do not give Him any time, that do not want His salvation. Don't be consumed with this. This is a psalm to to put ourselves at ease. The effect of this psalm should cause a little less complaining about those in the world and a little less campaigning against them and more consideration of their end. The end for those who don't know God, no matter what they seem to prosper with in this world. Let us consider that. And we're in verse 10, we're going to see a consideration. He says, for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be, yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be to to covet the material life of the unsaved or to even question God as to why this stuff keeps going on with those who don't know you and they seem to be prospering. We're to look at their future place not their present possessions or not what they seem to be skating by and doing that is wrong, that is unjust, that is against God. They are going to leave their luxury behind one day and they are going to an eternity without the Lord. And when we consider that, we don't lust for the things that they have, we don't get irritated in that way. Instead, we, we desire something they don't have. We desire something for them that they don't have. And that is the Lord's salvation. There's a change of mind that happens when we consider that. After seeing the consideration, let's look at the calm in verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth 
and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. As we think about everything that that the people in the world have on this earth. And as David says, he slipped into envying this some at some points and times in his life. This idea of peace, peace does not come from anything on this earth. You cannot get peace from anything here. Peace comes from heaven. Peace is only given by God. Peace can't be paid for with money. It only comes by a relationship with the Lord. It can't be bought. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. This is something that only the people of God can possess in his peace. And it's and it's better than anything that the world offers. The meek shall inherit the earth is what the beginning of the verse says, though. And there there is a cult out there that believes that when their bodies go in the grave, the soul is going into the grave too to sleep. And then it's going to rise and inherit the earth one day when Jesus comes back. And that's not the way it happens. That's not the truth. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. And whenever a person dies on this earth, when a Christian goes to sleep, their soul immediately goes to heaven and they're with the Lord. And he's going to bring them back with him one day. They can't be their soul can't be asleep in the grave if he's bringing them back. Okay, so as we consider this, we consider this peace and we consider the inheritance of the earth. One day things are going to change upon this earth. They're going to be different than they are right now. We are going to come back with the Lord Jesus to rule and to reign on this earth. Position and power is going to come later for you and I by way of the Lord Jesus Christ when He returns to this earth and brings us with Him. There is going to be perfect righteousness and perfect justice then in that day. So that's going to be the day for us on this earth that we're going to reign. It's not going to be this day in this time that we're going to have all of these possessions, that we're going to have all of these things and desire these things or covet these things whatsoever. As Charles Spurgeon considers what's to come when Jesus comes back to this earth, compared to how we are as the children of God now upon this earth, he said the harvest is of a quiet eye. We just look for Jesus' coming. We believe His prophecy. We know that He's coming back. This is our calm as we consider the future. When we get into spiritual thinking and into the Word of God, we don't look at the world that way. And we don't think this way in a matter of covetousness. So we have a calm as we consider the future. Now let's look at the calamity of the wicked, verses 12 through 15. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of an upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bowels shall be broken. The wicked are against us now. Judgment 
is coming soon for them though. It's coming soon. Look, the complete rebellion, the rejection of the Lord, the retaliation against God and His people by those who do not know Him, this is not going to bring a sympathy or a compassion from the Lord upon them at the time of judgment. Peter says he knows how to judge those that are not his people, and he knows how to bring his people into heaven and to reward them. He knows this. There's not going to be a a, a soft heart for those that completely reject the Lord at judgment, but it's going to be laughter. And the very things that they do to try to destroy you and I, it's going to be the very self-destruction that comes upon them. Sin has a built-in self-destruction and it's coming upon those one day. Not in this day and time. They may be prospering in the world in this day and time, but not in that day when judgment comes. Let us consider that they shall experience what they have have been trying to do upon God's people. Now let's look at a comparison. It's kind of like the Proverbs that you usually share on Wednesday night. As we look at a comparison between verses 16 and verse 26, we will first read verse 16 through 19. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Having a little with God is much better than having a lot without God. Gideon knows about that. God dwindled Gideon's arm, da, army down to 300 men against some approximate 135,000 Midianites of the world. And the sword of the Lord and Gideon won that battle. You do the math. It doesn't make sense unless God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. Sometimes we have little in this world. Sometimes we have just enough to give out. But when we have the Lord, my, 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 I would rather it be that way than any other way. There's a song that I, I, it kept stumbling through my mind. I couldn't land on the right word. Something about little is much when God is in it. Verse 17 that we just read. The arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. I'll never forget at different times people wanting to connect me going to church as being a weak person. And and I mean, that person was right. Those people right that said it. The only problem, they don't know that they're weak, too. Everybody needs it and everyone needs the Lord. That word upholdeth there in verse 17 is speaking of a prop. Everyone needs to be propped up. 
We have we have people of God we can lean on sometimes. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes they're not there. The Lord is always there. He is always our prop. He is our strength and he holds us up. Every time we need a prop, he's there. Some rely on temporary ones. Those in the world that have all of these things, that is their prop. That's what they lean on, but it's going to fall through and it's not going to hold them up one day. God is an eternal prop. We have the favor of being able to lean on Him. We have the comfort of God, verse 18, the Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. Not only do we have the favor of the Lord, but we have the comfort of the Lord. Our future is known by Him. Our future is planned out by Him. What a comfort to you and I to know that the Lord is leading our lives. Verse 19, they shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. What wonderful words. What heavenly words during hard times of our lives, during a day when, when there is barrenness, when, when some do without, we are, we're not, we're going to have what we need. We might not have more than we need and that's okay, but we're going to have what we need when we're walking with him. What, what heavenly words for hard times. And in this, and as we think about this comparison, I would rather be the righteous any day, even if it means having rags, than to be, than to be wealthy, uh, with earthly wealth any day. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. He got it. He got it. And David is getting it now as, as he is going through this with the Lord and the envy, the, the foolishness of envy in the world. It is, it is weakening in his mind as he is considering his Lord, as he is considering their end, as he is considering our end as the people of God. There's a comparison of righteousness and wickedness here, but there's really no comparison as far as where the favor is. The favor of God is eternal. It's forever. We'll continue this comparison in verses 20 through 26. Verse 20, but the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke, into smoke they consume Away, there's their end again, it shows. And as we go to verse 21, the wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. That's a pretty hard saying, isn't it? When Peter says, isn't it better to suffer wrong? Paul said it too to the church at Corinth. It's better to suffer wrong. One preacher went home and found out that his house had been robbed. And he said, well, I would rather be the one that got robbed than the one that was doing the robbing. There's a difference that the Lord makes in the life of the righteous. No matter what we do without, no matter what it seems like someone else gets away with, I would rather be on the one, the one that would have to suffer the wrong rather than do the wrong. You know, this is talking about the, uh, a moral dealing with finances and things of that nature. 
and I used to work with a bunch of guys and and we weren't getting rich where we work. So everybody scrambled around looking to borrow a few dollars from somebody else before payday. And this boy named Jermaine came up to me and he said, can I borrow a dollar until payday, Kenneth? And I said, sure, you can. And I gave him that dollar. And come Friday, I know he left for lunch and he cashed his check. And I said, how about that dollar, Jermaine? And he said, oh, I don't have it. That just made me smoke, not because I needed that dollar so bad, but because we made a deal and he and he said he wanted to borrow a dollar and he would give it back. And he he never gave it back. And I wasn't going to do anything silly on the job and lose my job over a dollar. But man, it got under my skin. A while later, Carl asked to borrow ten dollars and I made it up in my mind. If he doesn't give it back, that's fine. I'm just giving. It, I didn't tell him that. He said, I'll give it back to you. I said, okay. But in my mind, I said, it doesn't matter if he doesn't give it back. Guess what? Carl didn't give it back. But guess what? I, I, I walked with peace in my heart. And I dealt with the situation. Because of what the Lord does in us compared to what happens to them. Do you, do you see it? The, oh, let me read it again. 21. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. There's a difference in our, in our ethics. Okay. Verse 22. For such as he blessed of him shall inherit the earth and they that be cursed of him shall be Cut off again, consider therein the blessings and the happiness of the people of God, the righteous and the displeasure and the misery that's coming for the wicked. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 28 and it speaks of a blessing and it speaks of a curse. And there's only one thing that decides that, and that is Jesus Christ. And personally, not, not saying you're a Christian, not, not a wishful hope, but, but trusting in Jesus Christ and knowing Him as Savior. Verse 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. There's a prepared path for the righteous, and and on that path, look, we don't invent or we don't create a path. Some people are always worrying about whether they're pleasing God or whether they're doing what they should be. You're not going to invent something new. You're, you don't need to scramble out to find out what to do for God. He's already laid it out before you. As someone here once said, do everything you know to be doing in the Lord. And he'll add that special gift or that special ability or that special thing for you to do. But just walk in his path. It's what he's already laid out for you and I. We, we don't have to try to be creative and, and invent something. We just surrender to him and we walk in his ways. Verse 24, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. There are trials down the path of the one that's on the path of the Lord. The one that is surrendered to the Lord and trusts in the Lord. We clearly see right here that we are bound for troubles. Though he fall, we're all going to fall. We must get back up again. We can get back up again because not only uh, are we bound for troubles, but we continue in this verse and we see that there's, that there's a boundary that is set upon our troubles. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly 
cast down. Now the wicked are going to be cut off, but you and I have a boundary on the things that we experience. In the will of God, we're going to be able to deal with it. We're going to be able to make it through it. 1 Corinthians uh, comes to mind, chapter 10 and verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's not only talking about temptation to sin. When you look up the words tempted and temptation in that verse, you will find adversity. And we will go through adversities in life. And what we find here as well as in the song, is that there is a boundary upon them when we're walking in God's will. Yes, we will fall. Yes, we're bound to do some suffering of some sort, but it's not going to be enough that is going to take us under or take us away. There's a boundary upon them, but not only that, it ends with a blessing. In the end of verse 24, it says, For the Lord upholdeth him. With his hand, there's that prop again that you and I need in the Lord Jesus Christ. We will make it through the adversities. So there there is what will be the the falling, the stumbling. We're bound to do so. But there's also what cannot be for them to completely take us under in the Lord. And there is what shall be. And that's the blessings of the Lord as He holds us up. And we have His precious promise that He'll take care of us. And then in verse 25, He says, I have been young and am old. He's writing this psalm when He's an older man. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor His seed begging bread. How beautiful is it? To mature in the Lord. As I say a lot, I just, I just love to be around those that have walked with the Lord a long time, have seen things that, that, uh, that young men haven't experienced yet. What a great value that is. David at one time looked upon the wicked and looked upon everything they had and looked upon everything they seemed to be getting away with. And it was kind of like, why? And it was kind of like, they're just, they're just skating by with what seems to be no repercussions. But now, he looks back and he says, he says with a precious memory in mind, the Lord's people have never gone without. Praise God. My, my dad once said, Kenneth, I've lived on this earth 76 years. I've never seen any death and resurrection. Well, the Lord changed the words in his mouth. And look how the Lord changed the words in David's mouth. He's, he sees God's people and the type of prospering, which is the sweetest prospering that He gives to us. We never go without. He takes care of His people. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Verse 26. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and His seed is blessed. Some see a cup half empty and some see a cup half full. David saw the Lord's people as, as half, 
as empty at one time, and now he sees them at full, as full. David had stumbled into seeing the saints as doing without and being without and almost as if they were treated wrong and the lost as full. But David was young and now he's old and he's able to see it differently. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How, how good is it to see the goodness of God. How good is it to be where we should be, with our eyes on what it should be on, with our, with our spirits growing in the, in the Word of the Lord, and seeing things from the point of view that God is able to see them. Not fully till we get to heaven, but, but we start seeing things where God sees them. Praise God. And, and then we, we live on this course. We live on this course. Verse 27, depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. I'll never forget the message on 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 Maranatha, where the people walk by one another in that day, in that biblical day. And they said they said Maranatha to one another. The Lord has come. The Lord shall come. Keeping their minds on what the future holds. This isn't the best life now. The best life is to come. Rather than question what's going on now, consider what's going to happen in eternity. If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, so some little, many things try to get in the way. One would be things that happen to us and things that go on in this life. Well, God has never promised that things are going to be great in this life. What you're wanting is heaven. What you're wanting is heaven. Go ahead and receive Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and go to that life one day that's forevermore that you can have, that the problems are going to be gone. No pain, no suffering, no tears, no sorrow. Trust in Him. And Christian, consider. Consider the future. Our focus is to be taken from here to heaven. From now and what's going on now to forever. Make sure you don't leave that out. It makes a difference. There's a coming judgment. We'll go ahead and stop with verse 28. There's a coming judgment. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. At judgment, we're going to be known. At judgment, we're going to go before our Lord and it's going to be someone that we met in this life and someone that we talked to and someone that we shared with and someone that took us through many things. We're going to we're going to come before him and and we're going to know him and we're reserved. We're preserved. We're going to heaven for eternity. And there will be those that stand before him and he's going to say, I never knew you depart from me. And. And, and the word here is cut off. Standing before the Lord as strangers and leaving the presence of the Lord as strangers and never in the presence of the Lord again. This really stirred, stirred my mind tonight, stirred my heart tonight. And it, it sends me to Romans 8, 16 for, and 17, 17 and 18 for us to close with something. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Something else comes to mind. Let's go ahead and on this thought, 
of the wicked prospering and the wicked seeming to get away with whatever and us just having maybe just enough to get by sometimes. Is it why? Is it why? Well, James says in chapter two, verse five, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? We're rich, folks. We're rich in faith. We're rich with the greatest riches that any of us could ever have. Let us not. If we if we look that way in the world and we focus on on the things that the world has, we, we can't focus on what God has for us in eternity. We can't focus on what we have now. I was able to spend some time with someone a while back and and, you know, you always you always want to be doing more. You always feel like there there's something else you can be doing in the Lord. But I was able to have someone with me and I just realized, wow. Everywhere we went, everything we were doing, it's it's around the things of God and it's around the people of God. He's blessed us. He's blessed us with one another. He's left his word in this world. He's left his Holy Spirit in this world. He's left his sweet church in this world and he's coming back for his church one day. So, you know, his true church is here. I'm glad to be here. I'll be glad with whatever the Lord lets us have and lets us continue with. Let us keep our focus on him. Think about the end of the loss. Let's pray for them. Let's see them saved. All right. We're going to turn it over to for some good singing and some prayer request and praise report. Now, teenagers, I, 